Boy, it's so good to be back with you this morning. I hope you've missed our gathering as much as I have. My prayer is that when this is all said and done, you will love Christ and His church more than you have before. And when we do get to come back together physically, that this place will be filled with people because our hunger for gathering, assembling together will grow. And let me just take a moment and thank you, Northside family, for your financial faithfulness. And let me encourage you to continue during these days as we seek to minister not only to our church, but to our community and, and to our nation and to our world. Fears. It's something we all face. Every single one of us. Regardless of our age, regardless of our emotional makeup, our psychological profile, we all deal with fears. Everybody is afraid of something. I was recently told of a, of a conversation that Pastor Rich had with his youngest daughter, Kate. Kate came up to Pastor Rich and said, Dad, are, are you afraid of snakes? He said, no, I'm not afraid of snakes. She said, Dad, are, are you afraid of robbers? He said, no, I'm, I'm not afraid of robbers. She said, Dad, are you afraid of storms, hurricanes, tornadoes, those kind of things? He said, no, honey, I, I'm not afraid of storms. Then Kate looked her dad in the eye and said, well, Dad, I guess the only thing that you're afraid of then is Mommy. You see, we're all afraid of something. Our fears come in all shapes and sizes, and they range from general apprehension and worry to paralyzing dread and terror. It starts when we're young with our fear of the dark and our fear of monsters. It follows us into our teenage years with our, our fears of rejection and, and humiliation. And it continues into our adult years with our fears of death and, and aging and failure. A study done several years back of 5,000 people found that there were over 7,000 different fears. And the average person had 15 different fears. There's a lot of things to be afraid of. I went online and did a search of fears, phobias, and I found 15 pages of phobias of fears. Now, mine is acrophobia. Acrophobia is the fear of heights. Now you understand why we showed that video to begin with. Now, I wasn't always that way. I used to be fearless when it came to heights. But something happened. I don't know when, but it happened. Now, I'm not afraid of getting on a plane and flying or climbing in a tall building. I'm not even afraid of climbing a tall ladder. But when I get to the edge and, and I look down, something happens to me. It happens mentally. It happens emotionally. It happens psychologically. It happens physically. And it's crazy. I, I can be watching TV. I can be we're watching a movie. And if a certain scene comes on, man, I can get scared to death. Now, my wife laughs at me. She thinks I'm crazy. But she has her fears too. My wife is afraid of turbulence. She's not afraid of flying. But the least little bump, and she panics. She gets terrified. We all have our fears. But those aren't the fears I want us to focus on over the next three weeks. I want us to focus on those fears that keep us up at night. Those fears that, that are always on our mind. Uh, like the kind of fears many of you are facing right now. 
the fear of a family member of yourse- or yourself coming down with the coronavirus or, or even dying. The fear of losing your job and, and not being able to pay your bills because of the economic effects of this virus. The fear of, of our world coming to an end because of these kinds of things. And yet, in the midst of all of these things that are happening in our world, we have a word in God's word that commands us to fear not. The Bible says, don't be afraid. One of my favorite verses is found in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. It, it goes like this. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be courageous. Don't be afraid. Why? Because the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Over and over again in the Bible, we are commanded, do not be afraid. As a matter of fact, someone said that that there are over 365 commands to fear not in the Bible. One for every day of the year. Now, I've not researched that, and, and I don't know if that's true, but I do know that the Bible makes it clear that we are not to be afraid. We are told that fear is not our friend. Fear is our enemy. Fear doesn't protect us. It enslaves us and it keeps us from reaching our full potential and living the way God intends for us to live. And so if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to open them to Mark chapter 4. And we're going to look at a story this morning in the life of Jesus that reveals a great truth. Now let me go ahead and give you that truth and then we're going to read the passage. Here's the truth. The storms of life are an opportunity to build our faith. The storms of life are an opportunity for you and I to build our faith. Now listen to what it says beginning in verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High winds were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Jesus woke up. He rebuked the wind and said to the water, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now this story is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel. Now everything that happened in the life of Jesus is important. But if something is recorded in all three Gospels, it's as if God is saying, I don't want you to miss this. Listen up. Now let me give you a little bit of background. Jesus' ministry is in full swing. He has been healing the sick, casting out demons, teaching the people. By this time, a great crowd is following Jesus everywhere he went. Chapter 4 begins with these words, once again... 
Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. The crowd got so large that Jesus got in a boat, sat down, and began to speak from there. After he had been teaching all day, he told his disciples, let's cross to the other side. Now, the Sea of Galilee is about 13 miles long from north to south, and it's about 17 miles wide at its widest point east to west. To go from where Jesus was to where Jesus wanted to go meant that he was crossing at the widest part possible. The sun is setting, and Jesus goes back in the back of the boat, lies down, and takes a nap. But all of a sudden, without warning, a fierce storm comes out of nowhere. The word that Mark uses for storm is is the word for cyclone or hurricane. The word that Matthew uses is the word for earthquake. This was no ordinary storm. The rains were coming down. The lightning was covering the sky. The thunder was deafening. The wind was tossing the boat back and forth. The waves were coming in over the boat to the point that they were in danger of seeking. Some of these men were seasoned fishermen. They had made their living fishing on that lake. But storms like this storm frightened even the best of them. And where was Jesus? He was in the back of the boat sleeping like a baby. And so the disciples go to Jesus, wake him up, and cry out, Don't you care? We're about to drown. And so Jesus gets up, and with two words, he rebukes the wind and the waves, and everything calms down. Then Jesus looks at his disciples, and he says, Why are you afraid? Why do you still have no faith? And when they saw what Jesus had done, the Bible says that they were terrified. They were no longer terrified of the storm. They were terrified of Him. I love what Luke's gospel says. It says they were terrified and amazed. A holy fear came upon them as they realized who Jesus was what he could do. Now, I want you to notice something. This is important. You see, just because you're following Jesus doesn't mean you're immune from the storms of life. Now, it's true that storms come into our lives for a variety of reasons. Sometimes they are the result of decisions we make. We break the law. We we act foolishly. We go against God's word. And the result is a storm. We gamble away our money. We make foolish purchases and we don't have money to pay the bills. We cheat on our spouse or we abuse them and we end up losing our family. We abuse alcohol or drugs and we find ourselves struggling physically. But there are other times that storms just happen. We haven't done anything wrong. We haven't made foolish decisions, but we find ourselves in the midst of a storm. Our company closes its doors and and we find ourselves unemployed. We exercise and eat right and don't smoke and we still get diagnosed with lung cancer. But then there are those times that we are in a storm because we have obeyed Jesus. 
I want you to remember what it says in verse 35. Jesus said, let's cross the lake. These disciples were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do, and yet they found themselves in one of the most frightening storms of their lives. Let's be honest. It's the storms that come when we're walking in obedience that are the most difficult. Because we have this idea that if we're walking with Jesus, if we're obeying Jesus, if we're doing what He tells us to do, if we're living according to His Word, storms won't come in our life. The sun will always shine. The birds will always be singing. And everything will be great in our part of the world. We're just not supposed to get hit by storms. But you need to understand that this storm, it didn't take God by surprise. Before Jesus ever told the disciples to get in the boat, He knew that He would be taking them right into the eye of the storm. Now, why did Jesus do that? Why did Jesus take His closest disciples, those who were the most loyal, right into the eye of a storm? Here's why. It's because it's in the storms of life that we grow. Storms have to come to produce growth. So listen up. Whenever a storm comes in your life, whenever a storm comes, it comes for a purpose. The Bible says all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord, who were called according to His purpose. All things. The sunny days and the stormy days. And here's what I know. If you haven't gone through a storm, get ready. It's coming. Can I get a witness? Storms are coming to your life. Someone once said this. We are either in a storm, we just came out of a storm, or we're headed into a storm. And it's the storms of life that most often reveal whether we have fear or whether we have faith. And so my question for you is this. How can you and I build our faith in the storms of life? Because what we're going through right now, it's a storm. And I want to warn you that most likely this storm is going to get worse before it gets better. So how can we move from fear to faith and be a person that grows in our faith in the midst of storms. This story reveals three things. First of all, we've got to remember who Jesus is and how much He loves us. The disciples woke Jesus up and said, Jesus, don't you care? Now that's often the response to the storms we face. God, don't you care? God, don't you love me? If you love me, then why are you letting me go through this storm? These guys forgot how much Jesus loved them. They had forgotten how much Jesus cared for them. But this was the same Jesus who was soon to go to a cross and suffer death for them. If they would have remembered how much Jesus loved them, they wouldn't have been afraid. And they never would have asked Jesus, Don't you care that we're about to drown? They would have known that Jesus cared, but they forgot how much Jesus loved, how much Jesus cared. Now, what about us? 
Does Jesus love us? Does he care for us? Well, I want you to think about that famous verse. We all know it, John 3, 16. It says, God loved the world. That means you, that means me. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. I want you to know, God didn't give his only son for us only to abandon us to our fears when we are in the midst of a storm. God loves us, he cares for us, and he can trust us, and we can trust him. And so if, if you're watching today and you're struggling with fears, then you need to remember that God loves you. God cares for you more than you will ever know. Here's the second way you can grow your faith in the midst of the storm. You've got to remember that Jesus will never leave you. Jesus will never forsake you. You see, when we go through times like this, we often feel like God is distant. We feel like God is even absent. And our emotions tell us that God is nowhere to be found. And while our emotions are real, we need to understand that our emotions aren't always true. We can't always trust our emotions. David said in Psalm 13, How long, O Lord, are you going to forget me forever? How long are you going to turn your back on me? Now, God hadn't forgotten David. God hadn't turned his back on David, but, but that's how David felt. It may feel at times that God is distant, but he promises in his word that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. In the book of Romans, it says there is nothing, absolutely nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. And listen, you have no reason to fear because Jesus is near. Someone said it this way, your ship is safe in any storm if the Savior is in your boat. You see, your safety, my safety, is not based on the absence of problems. It's based on the presence of Jesus. And if you're a child of God, if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus, then Jesus is always present. I love this verse. Isaiah 43, verse 2, it says, When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Why? Because He is there with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. If you want your faith to grow, first, remember how much Jesus loves you, how much He cares for you. Second, remember that Jesus will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And then third, remember who Jesus is. You see, the disciples had already seen the power of God. He had already performed miracle after miracle. In Mark chapter 1, we are told that he cast out an evil spirit. He had healed Peter's mother-in-law. He healed an entire city of disease and demon possession. He had healed a leper. In chapter 2, we're told that he healed a paralyzed man. In chapter 3, we are told that he healed a man with a deformed hand. He had already shown his power time and time again. Jesus had shown his disciples that he had the power to handle any problem. But they had forgotten what Jesus had done. They had forgotten what Jesus could do. But now, 
in this moment, they realized that this man, Jesus, was more powerful than the darkest demons, the most dreaded disease, and even the most dangerous storm. You see, Jesus is the all-powerful God. And if you are with Him, then you're safe, regardless of what happens. So let me ask you a question. Are you going to let fear rule your life? Or are you going to learn to walk by faith? Everybody has fears. Fears are inevitable. The question is, what are you going to do when they come? Fear is because you look at the storm. Faith is when you look at the Savior. Fear focuses on our circumstances. Faith focuses on the Christ. You see, we must choose to replace our fears with faith. And that happens when we realize who we are, who we're with, and who He is. Every time you face a storm in life, you get to choose. Will I choose to let my fears overwhelm me, or will I let my faith overwhelm my fears? Will I focus on the storm, or will I focus on the Savior? Would you take a moment right now, bow your head and and close your eyes with me, regardless of where you are? If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus... I want to invite you right here, right now, wherever you may be, to surrender your heart and life to Jesus. Invite Him into your life to be your Savior and your Lord. And I will guarantee you that He will walk with you through the rest of your life. If you need to do that right now, would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, I humbly come to you today Admitting that I'm a sinner, I've been living life my way. Please forgive me. I don't want to live this way anymore. Jesus, I believe you came to this earth. You died on the cross. You rose from the grave to defeat sin and death for me. I'm trusting you to save me. I'm giving my life to you as my Lord. Come into my life. Take control. From this moment on, Jesus, I want to live for you. Thank you for hearing me. Thank you for saving me. Amen.